Each new challenge also provides a new opportunity for us to reinvent the industry and reconsider ways in which we've done things in the past. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate each and every day. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. John Scholes was named president and CEO of Downtown Seattle Association in November of 2014, following six years as the organization's vice president for advocacy and economic development. He believes the health of downtown Seattle is critical to a healthy city and region, and has led this organization during a time of explosive growth for Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. This provided immense opportunities, but also challenges for the Downtown Seattle Association, and he's acutely aware of them both. John's passion for taking on big issues is reflected in his nearly 20 years of work in nonprofit advocacy, local government, regional policy, and senior positions on political campaigns. At DSA, he leads a diverse team focused on creating a healthy, vibrant, and inviting downtown, and he works closely with the City of Seattle officials to help revitalize a downtown that has been affected by the pandemic and other endemic issues associated with a large urban environment. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vlad. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, too. I'm doing well. Where do we find you today on this uh, lovely Pacific Northwest Monday morning? I am uh, heading back to downtown from uh, Roslyn, Washington, where I was for the weekend. So I'm doing this with you from here and then hitting the road as soon as I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And office has been open. Have you been able to you know, go inside? Uh, I know you guys are right smack dab uh, in the middle of downtown. Has that been uh, an issue for you guys? Yeah, we've had, we have a couple of office spaces and we've had our senior leadership team and HR operations and then supervisors in our offices at the levels allowed by the governor since early August. Yeah. So I'm in the office generally four days a week, usually Monday afternoon uh, through Thursday. And then we manage a big team of of folks who uh, work outside in the public realm in downtown doing daily cleaning and managing parks, providing other services. So they can't work from home. They can't work remotely. And um, that great team has been on the street at full strength since early August. We did reduce our staffing um, back in the spring and of 2020 and, uh, and early in the summer, but we've been at full strength since last August. Okay, okay. Well, this is a great segue into what the Seattle Downtown Association does. So maybe let's get into that first. And then I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the initiatives that you guys have undertaken since the onslaught of the pandemic. But kind of by way of introduction, John, tell us a little bit about your organization, sort of your role there, and kind of, you know, how your, you know, winding path of your career got you to where you are today. Yeah, the Downtown Seattle Association came together in the late 1950s, 1958, when uh, there was lots of investment going on in all parts of the region and a lot of suburban investment outside of downtown. When downtown was the really the only game in town for many, many decades as uh, the Puget Sound area grew, it was the center of arts and culture and commerce. But that began to change and the leaders and at the time in the downtown community and business and civic and arts and culture came together and said, hey, we need to form an organization to really help shape and steward this place. We can't take anything for granted. We're going to have more competition from other cities in the region. And 
that's how we came to be uh, during a time of a lot of challenges within the downtown and within the the city. And today we represent uh, members and those who have an interest in investment in downtown. And that's anybody from a law firm to a restaurant to hotels and nonprofit housing providers and arts and cultural organizations, and then property owners in downtown as well. And we believe that for a city to be healthy, the downtown has to be healthy and that every great city has a healthy urban core and that it's the pop, the private sector and the nonprofit community have a role to play in, in ensuring that that's the sure. case, that, yeah. that city government um, has responsibility, obviously, for the entire city. And there's some unique needs and, and areas of, of focus for a downtown and urban area where it all comes together and that it's important to have companies and and residents and and others that uh, have a stake in that place important for them to be able to uh, help shape a vision and and uh, influence what happens there so that's what we're about and and this model exists in in just about every downtown across north america groups like us that are doing advocacy work and planning work and providing direct services and working in partnership with the public sector and it's become a key mechanism i believe for what we've seen over the last 20 30 years in the renaissance of urban places in uh in the u.s a really important mechanism in in order to help uh support the revival that we've seen in our cities yeah certainly certainly and i and i think some of those efforts are you know definitely recognized around the country but i would argue john that you know some of the roles that downtown seattle association has you know taken has been quite impressive actually and i would argue probably one of the big catalysts of, of 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 change in the city, both economically and also politically. So, so I wouldn't, I would argue that your your role in the city of Seattle is probably a little more relevant than maybe some of the other associations in other in other cities. Um, how did you get to the organization? Is there a career path to this, you know, role, or or just kind of by happenstance? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've always cared about the community around me and what was affecting it, and the issues and public policy, and and grew up, grew up in Tacoma, so I was you know a kid that would come to Seattle on the weekends with my family, and I love cities. I love downtown Seattle. I, as a high school senior, I had the cheapest season tickets to the Sonics that you could have. I think they were seven dollars a seat okay. in the top top. Uh, Top top rows of key arena and um, and so always had a great affection for downtown. Had the chance to travel as a young kid to a number of cities on the East Coast and was always just uh, fascinated with the energy, the opportunity, all that was going on. The fact that so many of the decisions that are made that affect our lives are made in cities. Uh, you know, the, the seat of government often is within the center of our cities. And, and uh, so I've always had a deep interest in cities. And then I got involved in politics uh, in the Northwest, uh, working for local elected officials and on campaigns, working for a public affairs firm, but always working on trying to influence and affect what was happening in my community and on public policy. And so I got the chance to sort of bring the the passion for cities and urban places together with my passion for trying to influence community issues and public policy uh, when I joined the Downtown Seattle Association in 2008 after uh, working on Governor Gregoire's re-election campaign yeah. and come to a place that was all about the center of the city that I love, Seattle, and all about trying to harness the interests and resources of the private and nonprofit sectors to work with the public sector uh, to make it a great place. So uh, I uh, led our public policy and political work 
for a number of years and then had the great honor of being appointed as to the CEO position in uh, November of 2014. And so I've been doing that ever since. Yeah, that's a great story. And since that time, and not, you know, but I think in the last decade, Seattle has really kind of come into its own, right? I mean, let's talk a little bit about that and kind of leading up to 2020, right? I mean, there has been a lot of focus on Seattle. Amazon has been growing incredibly. Other technology giants have entered the city like Apple and Facebook and Google and have sort of continued this amazing growth of South Lake Union neighborhood and really sort of transforming the city in so many ways, both positively, but also but also negatively, right? Tell us about some of kind of the challenges and, and the opportunities that, that that evolution brought to Seattle. Yeah, you really have to go back to the gold rush in Alaska, the turn of the 19th century in Seattle to find a comparable period yeah. <laughs> of growth and investment and change that we that we've had over the last really two decades. You know, to 2000 to 2020 uh, in Seattle was a pretty monumental period of of growth uh, and investment, and certainly Seattle benefiting from really two technology booms and significantly in this most recent decade, obviously from Amazon's growth that wasn't just about Amazon, but really helped further establish Seattle as a tech hub because they attracted so many other technology companies that were looking to uh, hire off the great talent that Amazon had built and developed and Microsoft before that. And, and so Seattle benefited and continues to benefit from those realities. When we maybe didn't see as much um, growth in the downtown specifically from, you know, Microsoft's evolution on the east side. But yeah. uh, this this most recent tech boom was was really anchored in the middle of our city. And, uh, and that has had profound effects and also has occurred at a time when there were lots of, you know, preferences and changing with uh, younger folks on where they wanted to be and live and the experiences that they wanted to have which has benefited cities like Seattle, uh, no doubt. And so, you know, going into this pandemic, so many of our challenges were related to and driven by the pace of growth, uh, particularly job growth. You know, we weren't ready for the amount of housing we, we were going to need. We were needing to keep up with our investments in transit. We were behind as a city and region. Public schools downtown weren't in place to respond to the growth. and uh, public spaces and parks weren't ready for that level of growth that fast. So sure. yeah. uh, those were some of the issues we were focused on prior to this pandemic that, again, were driven by just how quickly we uh, attracted so many jobs that no one really expected, um, including Amazon, didn't, didn't foresee them growing at that pace. Um, and then the catalytic impact that they had on attracting so many other Yeah tech companies to Seattle. But those are all problems that you want in a, in a city. I was just city. going to say that, right? Those are those are problems that I think other cities would envy, right? Or we're envious of, uh, you know, Seattle. And it probably puts Seattle in sort of a, you know, new kind of footing, if you will, compared to other downtowns and cities across the country, maybe even the world, right? Yeah, I think Seattle really elevated. It's just the brand and the quality of the urban experience and can on par with you know, the great cities in um, in North America and other parts of the world over these last two decades, when you think of the natural beauty that we've always had, but the significant investment in um, 
new arts and cultural experiences and sports and entertainment and um, the food scene and the creators and, and innovators. I mean, I, I think we we can compete with just about any great city around and the footprint of the of the downtown and significantly and neighborhoods that didn't exist 20 years ago or had, had become really thriving destinations and in, in urban places and places of innovation so yeah again a massive amount of change that you really have to go back more than 100 years to yeah. Yeah, find yeah. a comparable period i mean seattle has these long stretches of of uh of things not changing uh significant population wise not changing significantly you look at the 1960s to the night through the 1990s and the the population of the city remained about the same uh, but we have these boom periods where a lot of a lot happens in a short amount of time and, and that's that's what we saw over the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And so this also impacted some of the services that your organization began to, you know, provide and and look for, right? I mean, so since 2014, tell us a little bit about kind of how that's helped, you know, you evolve the organization and then kind of let's, you know, bump that up towards, you know, what happened into in, you know, into 2020 and sort of how that evolves and changes and, you know, is there more effort, more focus on that or less? Yeah, downtown organizations and DSA included have have really had to are constantly evolving to meet the needs um, within their their downtown that are constantly in flux and changing. So you know we were an organization that was set up as a membership association back in the late fifties and and sixties uh, and would uh, try to affect major city planning decisions infrastructure investment, really try to influence some of the decisions and, and actions that we couldn't control directly, but that we thought were important to the direction of the downtown. And then, you know, in the 1990s, we formed a business improvement district to allow the organization to take more of a hands-on approach to place management and stewardship of the downtown neighborhood to fund daily cleaning services, to engage in, um, homeless outreach, to provide safety and hospitality yeah. ambassadors, to put on more events and promotions. Uh, so evolving from the planning and advocacy function to include uh, really more hands-on direct services. Um, six or seven years ago, we began managing Westlake Park and Occidental Park in Pioneer Square under a contract with the city. And we'll have a role with the new Waterfront Park uh, that's currently under development and Pier 62, which opened this last year. Uh, so we've evolved with the, the neighborhood and the needs of the neighborhood and the interests of of our members and property owners to not replace city services, but really to look at how we can supplement basic city services. Yeah, right, and complement them, right. Exactly. And we can, we can move a little faster. We can adjust a little more quickly because we're laser focused on the downtown and the city has responsibility for 80 plus square miles in the city and in a park in in magnolia is is a bit different than a park in the middle of, of downtown for good reason yeah, so it takes yeah. a different kind of strategy and approach so that type of partnership has really i think served our our downtowns and urban neighborhoods well not just in seattle but really around the country and uh and and certainly this pandemic flips everything on its head once again, uh, sure. where now our job is to try to welcome and attract people back uh, to the city, uh, where for the, the last several decades, we've been uh, focused on the challenges from so many people wanting to be here uh, all at once. Uh, and now we're having to sort of reintroduce uh, downtown to office workers and leisure travelers and convention planners 
and you know the the resident of the region or or Ballard that maybe hasn't been downtown in more than a year. That's right. That's right. That's our task as we sort of look ahead here, and we have had such great progress on vaccinations, and as a city, have done so well to keep the spread of coronavirus low relative to other urban uh, metro regions. Um, our task now is to help downtown recover and, and reintroduce folks to uh, this greater urban place. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned earlier with Amazon kind of having its base here, but other companies too, I imagine they're all you know participating in your membership somehow. Do you see them beginning to kind of influence, you know, some, you know, public policy around the city, even some, you know, thinking around, you know, certain things around downtown. Um, has that been a challenge for the association or has that, you know, been a great opportunity? Well, I think the business community does have a really key opportunity to help our city focus on on recovery. And the, the trust in business, when you look at surveys across the country right now, business as an entity um, has a high degree of trust relative to other institutions, yeah. including media and government and NGOs. And then you look locally and voters in Seattle and the general public in Seattle are very concerned about the health of downtown. They believe that for the city to be healthy, downtown has got to be healthy. So there's a really strong sentiment around what needs to be done and the focus that we need to have on getting our downtown uh, healthy again. And so I think the business community is well positioned to advance recovery agenda and put forward what what we believe are the key must-dos to uh, get the center of our city humming again yeah. because we've made a we've made a big bet as a community on a healthy thriving downtown we've passed levy after levy that assumes our downtown is going to be economically successful and viable levies to invest in universal preschool uh, across the city to invest in the park system to invest in affordable housing and families and education. So each of these decisions that we've collectively made uh, at the ballot has presumed that uh, our downtown would be that economically efficient place that is needed to help pay for so many of these important investments that are critical to the quality of life. So I think the business community can can really advance a vision for what does a uh, 21st century downtown post-pandemic look like? How can we ensure that it continues to thrive? How can we rethink and reimagine in some ways what our downtown can and ought to be and how it can serve and be relevant to really everybody in the region so that everybody feels like they belong there and sees opportunity for themselves? Sure, so sure. That's, that's where we're focused as we uh, begin to see the light at the end of this what's been a, a dark, dark tunnel yeah. over the last year yeah. uh, for our community and certainly for our downtown. All of those things that you mentioned, John, are also, I think, important aspects for every city hall as well. I know you guys have a you know, relationship with, with the city hall here in Seattle. So how do they interact with you and, uh, and the membership? For a downtown to work, you know, the private sector and the public sector have to have constructive and collaborative relationship. It doesn't mean you're going to agree on everything, but you ought to be able to talk to each other and agree to disagree when you need to. And and frankly, we haven't had, I think, the best dynamic there over the, the last year. I think we've seen a number of decisions that have been made, in particular by our city council, that have lacked input from the business community, lacked uh, perspective 
from the business community, but also other communities in Seattle. I think some of these decisions are, are have been have been rushed and lacked the analysis and and uh, clear thinking that are yeah. needed to make important decisions around how our city is going to be governed. Um, so we haven't been at our best, frankly, um, when it comes to that collaboration and that I think is so necessary to have between the public and private sector. And I think the cities and downtowns that coming out of this pandemic that that can work in that way uh, are going to be the ones that get on their feet uh, faster than others. They're going to have um, an easier time at recovery than those that are bickering or if if government's making decisions without taking input and and listening to uh, all sectors of the community. So Seattle has had a good track record of of some really critical public-private partnerships. Sure, that's how the World's Fair, you know, got here. It's it's how, frankly, we've helped sort of shape the vision for this downtown and uh, made a real key commitment to ensuring our downtown was one that we're going to have lots of residential development and a place people could live. I mean, those were decisions that were made decades ago that we're still benefiting from because the city and the private sector were working together around affordable housing. We've been arm in arm as a community with the, with the city on making record investments in affordable housing. Right. So I think we have to get back to that recipe and that model of of working together and, and really leveraging the opportunities that we have, not working at cross purpose. Again, it doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything and there'll be times that there's, there's disagreement, but we need to be focused on those issues that I think are so critical to getting our city going again, how we're addressing chronic homelessness, ensuring just policing for all lives, but also protecting community safety. Those aren't mutually exclusive. Yep. There's some basics that we've got to get right in order to, uh, get downtown going again. Yeah. With uh, Mayor Durkin announcing her, I guess, not retirement, but I guess she's not going to run for re-election. Does that provide an opportunity, a challenge, you know, a little bit of both? Is that super disruptive for the economy of a, of a city usually? Well, I think it does give her the opportunity, which, you know, she noted in, in making her announcement to, you know, just fo- focus on recovery generally and downtown recovery specifically. I've been really appreciative that she has spoken out strongly around the importance of downtown recovery. So not having to run a mayor's race and be engaged in all the politics and fundraising and everything that goes with that is, is allow, you know, gives her the opportunity to, to focus fully on, on, uh, you know, ensuring our city gets vaccinated and we're making incredible progress there, which is absolutely necessary in order for us to start to further reopen downtown and other parts of the city. So I think that is helpful. And uh, and I hope that Seattle voters have some good options that uh, is when they look at this race and the council races in November and that we're focused on the issues. We're focused on what people are going to do to help support recovery and small business and our arts and cultural community. Yeah. And uh, that we have a really clear headed uh, debate and discussion and set of elections that are focused on the issues, not slogans, not performance not hashtags, but actually how are you going right. to help uh, ensure that Seattle is one of the first cities to get back on its feet, just like we were one of the best in this country at, at fighting this pandemic. Let's be one of the best at getting back on our feet and, and rebuilding better. Yeah. Speaking of rebuilding, John, and I want to shift sort of the conversation here a little bit to some of the specifics around the rebuilding, the physical rebuilding of the of the city. So obviously, retail has been hurt 
quite a bit, uh, probably hospitality also, right? I think when you walk around the city, that's when you see it's all the ground floor stuff, right? Maybe more so than what happens on, on floors, you know, two and three and up kind of deal. Tell us about some of the initiatives that you you see happening here imminently that that will you know try to transform kind of where we are today, and also given you know given the sort of positive news around the vaccinations and sort of you know lowering uh, infectious rates and things like that. What are some of those next steps that you think are going to be critical for Seattle to you know get back on its feet? Well, you're right. The impact to you know restaurants and retail, the ground floor experience, you know hospitality generally uh, has been disproportionate, and and the impact generally has been disproportionate on on downtowns and those urban places where we gather. Downtowns are all about bringing us together. In a pandemic, you got to stay apart. So. Downtowns have felt the brunt, and then within downtowns, the the impact has has not been evenly distributed, and uh, and you really notice it at the ground level in downtown Seattle. More than 180 permanent closures of you know brick and mortar establishments at street level, and so those are folks that you know they're not going to be able to reopen in phase three or phase four. Their doors are shut for good, and uh, and that's just been devastating to watch. Um, some great small businesses that have been around. Uh, decades uh, in some cases and some that just opened or just got going and and got profitable right before this pandemic uh, have been forced to close permanently. So that that's a reality that a lot of downtowns are facing right now is is a fair amount of vacancy uh, at ground level. And so I think we need to be looking at what are the near term and then longer term strategies to fill them. I think in the near term, there's some creative approaches that we can take just to get some energy and activity going in those places. You know, music, art, galleries, both and performance. How can we, uh, in in you know, along certain corridors where we can establish some critical mass and and work in partnership with property owners, uh, create reasons for people to come visit and be down there and enjoy unique experiences, and also provide opportunities for you know artists and others that have been so impacted by this pandemic to come back and create and help uh, create some new vibrancy in the downtown. So I think looking at ideas like that in the short term of of how can we utilize some of these spaces for art and music and performance and and maybe pop-up food, pop-up retail, small scale, low barrier of entry, lots of options and rotation uh, yeah. through the course of a week or a month. And then Longer term, of course, we want to ensure that there's, you know, uh, regular stable tenants in those in those places that um, are always there. And so I do think this is one of those areas where the private sector and city government have an opportunity to work together and develop programs and support for those entrepreneurs that we know are out there that we know are going to come with different ideas. It happens every time after a recession, there's an incredible amount of business creation. Well, I want to make sure that downtown Seattle becomes the easiest place in the region to open that new small business, that new restaurant, that new retailer or gallery. So how can we work together with the city to set that goal collectively and do everything we can with training and access to accountants and lawyers and making sure that it's fast and cheap to get permits, but that you've got, got this glide path. If you are an entrepreneur, you, you know you've got folks that are wanting to help you make it easy and help you uh, bring your new idea and open your doors and yeah. create jobs and a new experience. So I think we need to think of this, you know, both in the near term and then longer term, um, 
how do we advance these strategies so that um, these spaces aren't vacant for long? And uh, they they mean so much to the experience of, of being in a in a downtown. Of and, course. Um, and it's not going to be easy. And I do think the bar after this pandemic for every downtown is that much higher. I mean, downtowns have always been those places where you come for the unique experience that you yeah. can't get anywhere yeah. else. And I think for anybody in a downtown, whether you're a hotel or retail or restaurant, the bar on what you need to deliver is has been raised because people have other options now and they can consume things virtually. They can work remotely. Um, so it's just an added challenge, but one I think that we can meet to uh, just continue to make the experience and uh, the offerings that much more unique and interesting uh, and ones you can't get anywhere else, certainly not online. That's right. And the commercial real estate community is a big portion of, of your membership, I would I would imagine. So, right. So are, are there any specific plans and kind of ideas that have come out of that group that you think are going to be really productive? Well, what, what I'd like to see and I, what I think we lack in downtown, I think is going to be really important after this pandemic is uh, those spaces, both indoors and outdoors, that are really about socialization and connecting and spontaneous connections. You know, I think of the Starbucks roastery up on Capitol Hill. It's yeah. one of those incredibly unique, dynamic places. There's just all kinds of energy in there. You can go there to work alone. You can go there to meet uh, some colleagues. You can go after work. You can be there in the morning. It works on a weekend. I think spaces and experiences like that, where there's a mix of things going on, you know, food and coffee and, and socializing, and it's relevant to locals. And when international travelers or folks from across the country come to Seattle, they want to go there. Those types of experiences, I think, are both in a work environment, you know, the, the office orienting much more toward the collaboration and social and connecting. And that's why people are going to come into the offices for those types of meetings. And I think, too, on the on the leisure side and um, sort of the recreation side of things, the, the spaces and the the businesses and entities that occupy them, I think are going to be much more oriented to those experiences where you can connect with others. And that's what downtowns have always been about. And I think in, in some ways we don't have as much of that as we need, and especially on the other side of this pandemic yeah. in, uh, in downtown Seattle. So I see a big opportunity there that, you know, every space becomes multidimensional and really anchored in, this idea of experience and, and socialization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting you said uh, the Downtown Association was founded as a way to promote Seattle and sort of make sure that some of the regional competitiveness, you know, doesn't take away the shine off of the city, if you will, right? In some ways, you're probably now leading the organization during a time when some of those forces are probably mostly most acute again, right? There's been some expansion, obviously, to the to the east side, and that continues, and, and and for other reasons, not just because it attracts people more, but but just in terms of you know where the growth is you know able able to occur. I'd, I'd love your perspective on sort of how do you think the city is doing enough to kind of keep businesses happy, or are you concerned that you know perhaps you know some some other regional economic centers might uh, might steal some of that thunder. No, I, I'm very concerned about the moment we're in here in Seattle and downtown specifically. I mean, we've had this incredible run, but we should never, and, and certainly not now, um, can't take anything for granted. And and every downtown across the country and across the world is is now sort of fighting to get back on its feet. And so, in some ways, we're we're fighting over the same leisure travelers or the same 
conventions that we want to get back. There's just a, a massive amount of competition, not just within our own region, but a competition throughout uh, the country. And Seattle, I don't believe, Seattle's a great city, no doubt. And, uh, and I'd rather sort of have the assets that we have as we look to rebuild than, other, than many other places. But Seattle doesn't have some preordained automatic right to be this great thriving place. We have to stay focused. We have to recognize that perception of our brand and how our city's governed and how decisions are made or not made have impacts on people that are looking to visit here, invest yeah. here, open a business here, employ people here. And I'm not sure we put our the best look uh, forward and our best foot forward as a city over this last year. And I'm not sure that that's fully appreciated among some of the folks currently leading our our city. Those headlines matter. And perception is the reality in many cases. And we have a lot of work to do there to change, I think, a lot of perception and make sure people do understand the reality of how great our our city is. But we have some work to do to ensure that remains the case. I think a number of the decisions that have been made over this last year are the wrong ones and put our city at risk, particularly around public safety and how we've been slow to address the crisis on our street that's chronic homelessness, how uh, we've been slow to address people that want to come into the heart of the city just to break windows and put other people's health and safety at risk. That has no place in Seattle. And, And for some reason, it's been hard for some elected officials to say that and hold folks accountable that are engaged in those types of actions. So I, I do think we're at a moment in in our city where the decisions that are made over the next several months, I think will have an impact on the direction of our city over the next several years, if not longer. And, uh, and we've got to be focused on that, which is most urgent and most important. I would put chronic homelessness and the public health crisis on our streets at the top of that list. And uh, we are going in the wrong direction there. And we need to do much more by investing in treatment and emergency housing and treating this emergency um, like it's an emergency and acting with a greater sense of urgency. So there's there's a lot at stake. And again, I think we can take nothing for granted in Seattle. Yeah, and that's uh, understood for sure, for sure. John, is my final question here, I'd, I'd like to you know usually end on a hopeful note here, right? Given everything that's happened, not just here in Seattle and Pacific Northwest, but around the world, around the country, right? What gives you hope? Well, for one, there's just a lot of people that care about Seattle. They've got a deep commitment and passion uh, for our city and for our downtown. I'm hearing from lots of them. They want to know how they can help. And um, and so that that's a good thing. And again, we're starting with a lot of assets in place. And Seattle's you know values and spirit of innovation and creativity and resilience um, that have been with us since the founding of our city uh, remain today. They were on display over the last year as we fought this pandemic and uh, did a much better job than just about every other metro area. And I think are what we're going to need to to lean on as we uh, look to rebuild in a better way. And uh, change has always been a constant in Seattle. We've always been a city that's um, been changing in in many, many ways and responding to change, but also a city that's changed how the world exists and travels and does business. When you think of Boeing and Microsoft and Starbucks and uh, the retail experience that Nordstrom created and the online retail experience that Amazon created. So 
I think we can take that same innovation and, and creativity and, and define what it means for a, a downtown to be a healthy, thriving, dynamic, inclusive, durable place on the other side of this pandemic. Excellent. Excellent. Well, John, it sounds like uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming up and uh, we wish you all the best and thank you for your time. Stay safe and be well. You too, Vlad. Really appreciate the opportunity. 